Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've been waiting for, a podcast for podcasters. This is Creating the Greatest Show, and I'm your host, Casey Cheshire. Join me as we interview podcast hosts and investigate the ingredients of a successful interview podcast. We'll talk mistakes, earned skills, powerful questions, and more. This show is sponsored by Ringmaster, completely done for you, B2B podcast production. Here we go. I love the excitement that comes from waiting for hitting that button and then see the little red dot in the cloud. Anyways, I digress. I can't wait to introduce you all to my guest today. He is awesome and he tells it like it is. And it was all I could do to write down a whole bunch of topics I couldn't wait to ask him about to and then save it for the show. And I think fellow podcast hosts out there will know what I'm talking about when you have that really good guest. It just, there's so many things you can explore. So who is he? Well, he's a marketer. He's a community leader. He's a podcaster uh, and, and a thought leader, really, in, in the spaces he's at. He's the host of the Community-Led Growth Show. Love that name. Social and Community Specialist at Lattice, Joel Premack. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you so much for having me on. All right, man. Let's get into this. We start with the first question. Joel, pull back the curtain for us on your show and share your most important strategy for a great interview podcast. So I think that there are two things that I do that help me have a good show. One is being extremely focused on the prep, not just the prep once I have a guest secured who's like open to be on the show and doing my prep, whether we have our prep call or doing it async, whatever. Um, I think that that's really important too. But I also do prep in terms of like the research of who I'm even going to ask, mm. because I want to make sure that I'm including different types of community professionals so that there are developer relations professionals for more technical focused and developer focused communities so that we have guests who are people building communities of practice, communities of product or for customers, et cetera. Or lastly, I would say, are those from communities that are the product. Um, so I think that that's one incredibly important element that I do and focus a lot on. And then the second is, and this is going to be interesting for some people potentially, is be very DEIB minded. And DIB, in this case, I'm referring to diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. For me, there are a few ways that I do this. One, ensuring that I pronounce the name of my guest correctly, asking them their preferred pronouns, um, including, and just being flexible of timing of calls, because I understand that some people might be able to schedule it during their workday, might be able to, or might not be able to do it then might have to do it before or after work. There are different time zones, et cetera, going on. So I just have to be flexible as a host because guests, in my opinion, guests of a show are doing you a favor by joining you. So it is your kind of like duty (laughs) in kind of like a very like old way of thinking that you need to be like chivalrous and like kind and mindful and thoughtful of their time. And then the last... Then the last two things I do are also um, let the guests really drive the process because I want to make sure that they're comfortable and confident going into the recording 
because that's a really big thing i personally believe i was really nervous the first time i was ever a guest on a show so i really remember what it was like and i try and make sure that my guests if they are nervous we go at the pace that works for them whether that's hey let's have a prep call live and we're gonna like dig into a lot of different things to really have a strong prep doc built out for the call. And then equally, I will also allow them, or not really allow, but like I'm open to just doing whatever they are open to. Like if they really want to talk about X, we can talk about X because I can go mild deep. If we want to talk about a handful of things, we can go a foot deep in a few things. So I try and be flexible in that regard. And then the last thing on that note is really just being mindful intentionally is the very key word I use here around, excuse me, ensuring that I'm bringing a diverse group of people onto my show as guests. I don't want it to be just a bunch of people from one background or who all look like each other, essentially. I try and make sure that I have guests who are of different genders and races from different geographies, different types of communities, etc. So I really try to make sure that all those elements create a good, strong show. Yeah, man, I love all these. Let's, let's go through and, 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 and hack and slash and learn more about each and every one of these things. Talk to me about the prep you do. Yeah. Um, I mean, it really all stems from like how I'm approaching a season. So season one was more of like, we're going to do the thing. There wasn't too much like intentional thought, I'll say, in terms of the whole season orchestration or like lineup. Um, It was very much done as it was happening. So that's really how I went from thinking, okay, I'll have like 12, maybe 15 episodes to 31 for season one. (laughs) Yeah, I pretty much doubled it. And then for season two, I cut down the number of episodes. So spoiler alert, season two is dropping in a little bit. Um, Nice. Yeah. But I just really thought more about like the who, the types of communities and the quality of guests I wanted to have on the show, coupled with then really elevating the content surrounding the podcast because i just i don't look at the show it's just it lives in a silo um i want it to be more open and approachable to all and then also be able to do potentially more content um around the show using the episodes as the base for it so to me all the prep up front that i've done leads to hopefully good conversations that are helpful to anyone in their community building journey and then Ultimately, if I want to do additional content around the show for season two, then there's hopefully that much better content from there to pick from. Wow. So much going on. Talk to me about the even the word season. What now that you've yeah. done completely one and then you're you're planning and designing number two, what does a season mean for you? Why why call it a season? Why not just sort of just keep going? Yeah. Um Honestly, it was more so for me um, as like a host. So I do this outside of my full-time role at Lattice, as you mentioned. And something that I think is really important is making sure that you're giving yourself time and space 
to have your breaks for me my brain and my personal goals and such definitely lean heavily towards the professional side rather than personal or somewhere in a very blended model of the two and with that i knew i needed very intentional clearly defined breaks for myself from the podcast and so this was i thought like the clearest way that i could do that for myself in order to be like kind to like my mind my body everything but also then like being a good host like i'll admit that doing 31 episodes is a lot and that was no easy feat especially for season one of a show and so that's why i cap i set a cap going into season two that i'm aiming for minimum 20 dead maximum 25 there will never be a 25 and a half or a 26 in season two so I did a lot of intentional work um, in that regard to make sure that was something that I still enjoy because if it really starts to feel like work and you're not getting that like sense of joy from it, in my opinion, and it's not part of your full-time job, (laughs) then it becomes an issue. Um, And that's like where you're not going to be motivated to do the prep work, to have the calls and be flexible. You're not going to be open to some of those elements that create, in my opinion, a strong show for guests and therefore your audience. So that's really why I did a season was mostly for my benefit. Um, yeah. No, it's it's great. Great point to take a break, have a refresh. So you don't get sick and tired of it, especially if you're doing it for fun or for your career or for something. It's not even your, your job. Not that even if it was your job, you wouldn't want to burn yourself out from doing it too many. For sure. So I'm really fascinated by the idea of you planning out season two. I tend to let the universe plan it out for me. Um, And, and you, you know, you get surprised here and there we're chatting. This is really exciting. I hadn't intended to chat about this, but now I'm excited to. So tell me about, I mean, sort of describe as much as you can about what sort of thoughts you've had thinking about season two, if it has max 25 people, 25 episodes, maybe less, that, that there's a restriction here and it sort of forces some interesting conversations. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really do too, too much. If some of it was guests who I had asked for season one and timing or other things came up and it just didn't work out. So sure. I had some, like, some guests that went from let's be in season one to now we're going to be the kickoff for season two. Um, so I was kind of ending season one already having about six or so guests planned Um, from there. I just kind of expanded it and really dove into areas of community that like I wanted to give time and space to have a good time and enjoy it. Yeah. Okay. Um, And then in order to have that diverse audience, are you, are you, I mean, labeling spots or are you just trying to keep things in mind as you search for the universe for different kinds of guests? Yeah, I'm really just like looking and going back and saying like, hey, who have I currently like interviewed already? And then who are people I'm potentially like thinking about? And like, how does this mix look? How does this mix like fit, sound, work together um, to make sure that it's not just going to be like one type of person or one type of community being talked about? endlessly for 20 or so episodes. 
totally. You know, one of my, um, on the marketing podcast, you, you're right. On like a business show, you can end up with people that just look like even yourself, right? Like I can, yeah. I can get people to all look like Casey and talk like me, but to me, that sounds boring. And one of the more interesting experiences I had is I, I, I met someone on Twitter who called herself the Beyonce of marketing. And I was like, that sounds awesome. I need to talk to you. You know, it just, and, and wasn't it just one of the coolest? It was, it was just one of the coolest experiences. Um, and it sort of broke out of molds and I've just, I really have experienced, you know, it keeps it fresh to your point, not only seasons, but talking to people who aren't saying the same things over and over again, it can be so refreshing. Yeah. I mean, on that point, one of the other things I look at when I talk about like a DIB lens for my guests, is also sometimes like career experience or amount of like years. And so I've been fortunate enough and I truly do it, like view it. Oh my gosh. Truly do view it, excuse me, as like something I'm happy and like fortunate enough to be able to give to others that sometimes people want to be on a podcast or be a thought leader in a space or be a guest for a piece of content, et cetera. But because typically of like where they are in their career, um, especially around like experience or maybe other like diverse backgrounds and such, people aren't getting those same opportunities. And by me being very mindful of this, I've actually been, as I said earlier, fortunate enough to be able to give some um, guests the opportunity to be on a podcast for the first time. And so one, it's really exciting because they enjoy it. And it's fun. I remember mine like it was yesterday. So I get all the feelings um, that they're going through. And then two, um, sometimes I'll even send like phone recordings from myself, like iPhone of me on Spotify typing in their name and being able to show them that they are now like searchable on Spotify as like a little fun like moment. And I won't do it when I send out like, hey, here's the episode, here are all the assets. Like if you wish to share it, here's everything that you need to do so. Like these two touch points in my head are like separate. Mm. One is more like business, like the show promoting, that's like business. Like we had this exchange kind of thing going on and we had that relationship. But now here I'm like, this is something I want to celebrate like and do for you to show you. I want to show you that you are now searchable on Spotify. You are an amazing, like kick-ass person, part of my language and like your thoughts and your insights and your content that you shared are so valuable. And here it is. Yeah. What kind of responses do you get to those kind of emails and screenshots? Um, when I do that, so I actually do a screen recording. I don't do oh, a recording. That's awesome. I literally am like starting on my Spotify so they can see what I listen to and everything. <laughs> um, and then I literally start typing in slowly like their name, like one letter at a time, going <sighs> through it, seeing the episode pop up, clicking on it and just like ending it right there. Um, oftentimes people are really happy and they're really excited. Like, it's just one of those like unexpected moments of joy that you can celebrate someone and like, yeah, to some people and me being one of them, like the first time I was ever on a podcast was a milestone of itself, but now being able to add in this like extra surprise and delight kind of thing that we often talk about in like the marketing sales 
general like embroidered go to market realm into yeah. my show. I love it. I think it's super fun. And I mean, no guest has ever been like, I hate you. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that that's just for itself. That's a cool surprise. I love that. I told I'm gonna totally start doing that. That's that's fun. It makes people's day, you know, mm-hmm. just like, hey, look at this. So cool. You know, in your we, you mentioned a little bit of this on the prep call, and I wanted to bring this out. Uh, you've got different methodologies for different things, whether it's the prep call or not, or how you prep. Um, talk to me about, because you started on a little bit er- earlier, but we talked about sometimes you do a prep call if it's the first time, but other times mm-hmm. you do other things. What, what's your method to that madness? Yeah. So in terms of like meeting guests where they are and trying to be flexible on everything, um, I kind of have a few different approaches based on like how I feel and the guests. It's a combination of the two. So first, um, if a guest who I firmly believe based on like listening and reading like other things that they participate in or their LinkedIn content, or they have a really great (laughs) um, section on their LinkedIn profile that I can be like, Ooh, I can pull this and this and this. And throw a couple like curveballs in there, and we got the episode. Like, if it's like that, I'm happy to skip a prep call and jump straight into the recording as long as the guest is comfortable, of course. Um, I mentioned earlier that if it's someone new to podcasting and it's their first one, I really do go at the pace that they're comfortable going at. So I really let them drive, and I'll just be like, hey, so thank you so much for being open to being a guest on the show for season insert number. Um, typically, we either have like a prep call and then the recording or jump straight into the recording. Sometimes we'll do it async. So like what works best for you and like what would make you feel the most comfortable and confident heading into the recording? And I'm happy to go whatever way you want to go. And I really let them kind of like pick and choose out of the options Cause I think that it's a little bit of like a give and get relationship. Like I'm creating the constraints, kind of like the three options. Yeah. And then I'm letting the guests then choose their own adventure of like how they want to do this. Um, some people prefer live calls. Some people prefer async. Some people, if we're both good, we can jump straight to it. Um, there are other times where I've had guests reach out to me about being on the show. And for those, um, especially if it's not that type of person that has a very complete like LinkedIn, or I can see that they've done thought leadership, I participate in other podcasts or events, things of that nature. Um, I will push for mm-hmm. um, having a prep call because I want to make the episode good and I want the guests to feel good. I want the guests to make sure like, that they also feel good about the content and the episode and not jump off the call and be like, wow. That like, what was that? Not go well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'd say that. And then the last kind of thing is I will say around guests of two backgrounds. Typically you're either going to hit at guests of like a VP suite, C-suite level title. Um, and then guests who are maybe at 
lower than that, but at a public company or a very large private company, um, I have had to work with communications or PR teams. Um, and to me, it's not a big deal. I know some hosts could find that very intrusive mm. and possibly annoying to their process. But for me, I plan a few episodes during the season where I'm going to likely have to do that because I want the nature, like I want that guest. I yeah. want that guest or I want someone from the company and it is just the path I have to go through to get the content. Um, and that's okay. But I do things again, intentionally to try and make it as smooth as possible. I majored in communications in college. So I have a general understanding of what they're looking for. And then I equally try and help them. So if we're emailing before a prep call, for example, I'll ask someone from the PR comms team, hey, what are completely safe topics? And then what are topics or areas that we cannot go near? Mm. And I want to make sure that we definitely avoid the cannot go near list because then typically again, after you have a recording with someone who's in one of those two types of roles, um, I've had to share back the episode for them to review, whether it's just PR and comms or PR slash comms and legal. So I would like approve the episode before it goes live. Yeah. Wouldn't it be funny if you, you asked that question like you did and anything they said was off limits. You use that as your questions, just whatever they said was off limits. No, then <laughs> maybe it not. Never get no? aired. It would never get aired. It'd never get I mean, aired. I d- right. I mean, I definitely like appreciate the humorous aspect <laughs> of it. If I was trying to create like a bloopers or something right. or a never got launched series. Um, but in terms of like, my actual like impersonal attitude and viewpoint on that. I personally would find it extremely disrespectful as the guest, yeah. let alone anyone else involved in the process compounded by, they might have a very unfavorable view on like me as a person. And that can translate over into like everything else that I'm involved in. And to me, that's just not worth it. Like maybe like two minutes of a, like, quick chuckle not worth it i'd rather have like a long lasting relationship yeah, with my have a good relationship right that, that mm-hmm. destroys the connection doing that exactly and there's something also to be said for like ease of doing business with someone i know obviously that there's not like a monetary value being exchanged in the relationship between a host and a guest but there is still something being exchanged beyond time and so I think that it's important to just be respectful of that. And when necessary, like sometimes you have to give in to things that make your process longer, harder, but ultimately it's, you're doing it hopefully to ensure that like the show goes smoothly and you can have a great episode with each and every guest. Yeah. Uh, You are remarkable at listening and, being sensitive and aware of your guest and what makes them comfortable. And even not even just sensing it, but asking, uh, love that aspect of just what will make this comfortable? What will make this a success for you more than me first? Mm-hmm. Um, 
That said, I also got a sense that on our prep, that there are some things that you do the draw the line on. We talked a little bit about people that try to overly script themselves, which is just yeah. an absolute, everyone listening to this will just know there's that, it, it just sucks. <laughs> uh, so you draw a line. Tell us about the line you draw around scripting. Yeah. I mean, it's not anything I can obviously control because I can't like jump through the computer and like smash them close or, or like close the tab or anything. Um, but I do really try and cover this like in a prep call or via like async and just say, Hey, I learned this when I was younger because I had a tutor. My tutor was awesome. So thank you. Um, tour. And it was, if you're going to memorize and like have to memorize the speech, don't actually write it all out verbatim, write out the main points you need to hit on to get your point across because it allows you like that flexibility and therefore that grace to yourself to be able to, maybe you're going to phrase something in a way that maybe you wouldn't have if you did, like, did write it all out verbatim, but equally it's not bad. It's, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just not crisp, clean, and perfect. Mm -hmm. So with that, I really aim for bullet points for guests if they wish to add like thoughts and comments to a prep doc, or they want to prep to make sure that they do feel again, comfortable and confident going into that recording. Um, that's really like my main thing. I've never had to like push too hard on this because I think a lot of people understand it, especially once I explain it in that way. And one question, for example, that oftentimes I'll see guests do that for is my last question of every episode is typically around three community trends that they're watching for in the upcoming year. And with that, I'll again, just see three quick bullet points, be like events, tech, mm. and how to scale a community, for example. Um, and of course, like the guests would elaborate on them more right. beyond just saying those six words, because that would not be ideal, but I'll take it. So right. they gave me three That's trends. It. I mean, those are trends. There's just not a lot of substance behind them. So um, did what I asked, but hey, I love it when a guest elaborates. So that's where I try and like help in that area of just being, again, human and approachable in that way of like sharing something from my background of how I learned this and then trying to help the guests understand why this is valuable to make sure that we have a good episode together. And like, if everything is scripted and you misspeak a little bit, even you're going to be completely thrown off. Your brain's going to be distracted. You're going to have like little sirens going off in your head and it's just going to be downhill a little bit from there you're never going to really reach that same level of confidence, I think, during the same recording. So that's why I push guests when they do feel that need to add thoughts and such to do it in that structure versus one that's heavily scripted. It's great prep. I'm glad you're teaching people that. Uh, I, I've had those scripted moments. And what's crazy is, uh, by and large, anytime I have that, Maybe it's inexperienced, but it's also senior level people who just want to get every word perfected. 
but you're right. It can just sound so terrible. And for me as a host, I just want to check out after just, I can't, I can't do it. And I, I, I have ways of trying to bust it. You know, I'll ask what's your favorite ice cream or I'll ask some random question that I know you haven't prepared for mm-hmm. to try to see if I can get you off script for just a second. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. Right. But then equally, like, I think that then part of it comes back to you and like your role as a host, because mm-hmm. how do I say this? I think that you are a gatekeeper as a host. You are essentially like, yes, you're inviting people to be on the show, but then you're also in charge of the gatekeeping around what episodes actually go public. And so I think that there's a difference. If you feel something is scripted, yes, it might not be the most eloquent thing you ever have heard. (laughs) However, is the content good? To me personally, if I'm talking about content versus sounding scripted, I don't love it. Anything sounding scripted in my humble opinion, but I would much rather have high quality content that actually helps people because that's what I'm much more obsessed about than worrying about someone sounding scripted. Now, the flip side of that is if it's scripted and there's not high quality content, might have to have a different conversation, but that's, that's just true. my, it's a, it's a great point, man. like my thoughts on it. You got me um, really thinking about it because you're right. Scripted is not the worst. Sometimes you feel like that as a host, the worst is unscripted and completely unhelpful, yeah. like hot air. You're like, Oh no, you really don't know yeah. anything. <laughs> so have you, yeah. have you not published episodes? You've like recorded them, but then not aired them. Uh, I never have done that. I got okay. really close though once. Okay. I've got one. I've done it once. It was a scummy SEO dude. And he was like all sketchy on the prep call. I knew it. I wasn't a good gatekeeper yeah. like you're talking about. And then I was early in. And then he got on the show. Yeah. And it, was just, it was almost like he was a direct, direct consumer marketing telecommercial thing. And I was like, oh, this is nasty we had booked it for an hour and a half in the show about five minutes i was like okay that was great all right yeah. thanks for tuning in and i was like thanks man it was great he didn't even notice didn't even realize that he was on for five minutes yeah i mean <laughs> it is what and it i never is. heard that yeah yeah i mean if i w- was not gonna air an episode i think it would one take a lot yeah two I would definitely have a conversation with the guest. I think that it's important to like explain the why behind yeah. something like that, because again, it just comes back to like their viewpoint on you and like the quality and caliber of the show. Yeah. And I view it as now like your job in this role as a host, as part of that gatekeeper role that you have to explain and educate people when something doesn't go wrong like why it's wrong, what specifically was wrong. And then if, and then give them that option to say like, Hey, I'm happy to re-record this, but in order to do that, it has to go differently than it did the first time and be very intentional, be very clear and set proper expectations. That might be a little bit more, I really guess just said it like clear and like, formal for the guests they have like a stronger idea of like 
the level of prep and content that's required for it to go from recorded to published and mm-hmm. live. Yeah. You've got a really great balance of being so gracious and respectful and considerate of your guests while at the same time understanding that there's this content bar you're trying to hit. You're you're on a mission. And so you ha- you you do a really good job of balancing those two. I don't get the sense that you're you know, more on the side of content or on the guest, but you're really kind of navigating between the two. Yeah. I mean, I really do try. And to me, I think it's like, I view it as kind of all one thing. Like if the guests are happy and they're confident, they're going to be more open with me. And so maybe you'll start off a little nervous and yeah, sure. Sometimes they'll be able to pick up on it a little bit during the beginning, get them like a question or two into it. We're going to start feeling good, getting in a good groove. The conversation is going to be flowing naturally. Like you're talking with a friend and then like go down a path because something caught my ear and we'll go off and it'll be like, yes, 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 yes. So, and like, because I'm being, I try to be so mindful and respectful of my guests that helps me then be able to have those conversations and pull out like good knowledge nuggets for my audience that then creates that like good value add reason why people should listen, not just once, but hopefully to more than one episode for the show. So that's why I think that really one leads to the other. It's not that they're two separate things. Yeah. Um, And that's why I care about both a lot. Love that. And I just wanted to back up real quick. Uh, asynchronous or async, as you're saying, asynchronous, that's a a prep doc you're sharing with your guest. Yeah. Yeah. So I have like a template (laughs) for my prep docs that I created, um, during season one and iterated it for season two. Some things have been cut. Some things have been added nature of the game. You got to evolve a little bit, grow. It's all healthy. Um, so I do it like that. I'll, I usually have a good sense, especially for guests like who I'm doing an async prep with. Yeah. Um, they're usually in the comfort zone for me as a guest. They're not someone who I'm worried about. If I'm worried about someone, I'm pushing more for a prep call. Gotcha. Um, and even if it's just like, hey, I know you're really busy. I'm sorry, but it would make me feel more comfortable. And like, sometimes you got to like own it and just be like, look, I think you're going to be a great guest and I'm 95% sure, but you need that like confirmation. And in order to get that, you need to talk to somebody. You need to like see their brain work with yours in a moment to kind of co-create at least a rough outline or general topics, et cetera, to help you have a great episode. And in turn, you're helping them too, because again, it's all about good content the episode goes well, then they're happy. Then they look are happy. Yeah. I'm happy. Exactly. Absolutely. You know, sometimes on my prep, I like to talk about sound. Um, have you encountered any challenges with your guest audio? Like I know we were chatting about microphones. I love to get your take on yeah. this too, but have you encountered any challenge with, with audio? Not really, or at least not in my opinion. Sure. I, I'm not aware of any. Oh, yeah. So, okay. cool. Sure, I'm not. 
Now, now tell me about oh. microphones. Cause I was asking you, Hey, you, yeah. can you have a microphone, but you don't like do. to use it, which is, it's kind I of a used it once. counterpoint. You use it once. Okay. Oh, and did not like share it. a little bit, share with me and everyone too, your take on microphone. Cause I thought it was really interesting. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's just not the vibe of my show. Like people say that they want to have great conversations and such, but imagine like you're talking with your friend, even if it's like your friend at work who yeah. maybe is in a different department than you, but you just like talking with them maybe 30 minutes every other week or whatever, just to catch up, breathe a little bit, yeah. have a human moment together. You don't have a microphone, right? <laughs> you don't have a ring light in front of you. Right. You're just like casual. Like that's why I wear like casual clothes. That's why I just use my headphones. That's why, I mean, like it looks fully lit, but I don't have like a full setup in front of me or anything. Um, yeah, you don't look like a YouTuber because that has, that, you know, it's that delicate balance. It, it does have a bit of a facade of like it can look really good, but it can mm-hmm. be almost distractingly good. I once had an interview where my guest had the coolest AV setup and. He was yeah. a little bit further from the camera, which also makes it feel less like a conversation. You know, you don't stand like 20 feet away from your friend, right? But he was kind of away from it. He had this beautiful yeah. painting behind him and his sound was great and his camera was beautiful. And it was almost distracting because I'm like looking at like a Mona Lisa and I should be just having a real conversation. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm not going to knock mics. So like you can pick and choose to do whatever you want to do. Sure. It's just not like my vibe. Also, I think like yeah. the more things you add into your process, the more opportunities there are for challenges and issues to arise. And like, it's bad enough if a guest gets distracted with something. Imagine if like your mic falls down, like yeah. stuff oh, happens. Yeah. Oh, dude. So, like <laughs> if your mic falls down, like you could be flustered. You obviously have to pause the episode. You have to figure out like and get it readjusted and like reset up. Like, that's just time. So to me, I'm like, look, I got good lighting set, have that, use my laptop cam, check, don't have like an external webcam, use my headphones, just got to make sure that they're connected to my laptop, that hookup between like there and Zoom is squared away and make sure my headphones are charged. Other than that, like life's good. We're going to keep marching on. Bob's your uncle. (laughs) Uh, The number of times I've had interviews with people with really good mics like mine is mine is good decent not terribly expensive but the people who have those like super sexy could be in a recording studio mics and we go to do the show or prep even and the mic doesn't work you know because this one plugs into the computer and it's like Mm -hmm. no big but the people that have to have a mixer and and you can't hear them and there's like to your point, 13 different steps that they need to check to make sure yeah. does Zoom hear it? Does the mic sending it? Is it on? <laughs> You're right. There's a lot of pieces that can get in the way. And again, can take away from, I'm with you on this idea of, uh, now I, I do like the microphones for sound quality, but I, yeah. I also don't like getting in the way of a connection with your guest. Exactly. Like, I like, I especially if you're going to actually watch the recording because mine are similar to yours in that sense of its audio and video yeah um, and then the video is posted on youtube and yes there have been a few that i've done where the guest has preferred not to do video cool i know how to roll with it so like we're squared away on that yeah you're but, super forgiving um, i'd be like sorry go fix your hair we'll reschedule 
Oh no, I like cool. Let's roll with there. Um, I'm good. So to me, like it's not a big deal. I just wanted to feel natural, and I think like over engineered, over scripted, over like set up isn't natural. Yeah. So that's why I go for no mic. No ring light, no other fancy things going on. Just me, my laptop, my headphones. And in the lighting, you're right. You get away with it because you, you look like you're well lit. Like it doesn't look like you have studio lights on you, but I can nope. see you just fine. You know, it's like, yeah. it's not uh, a thing. Um, so what do you personally get out of podcasting? Why do this? It's not even associated with your job. You're doing it for yourself. Like, what do you get out of this whole thing? Yeah. Uh, well, I guess to clarify something, and we haven't really hit on it earlier in the episode, but my role as a podcast host is actually part of me being an advisor to Charla, an early stage uh, tech company. Oh, cool. So they actually brought me on and then like, I'll remember maybe like two, three weeks later, asked if I wanted to host their podcast. I said, sure. The rest is history. Um, so that's kind of a little bit about it. It is tied to something I'm involved it is, with. Okay. But you are right. That is not connected to my full-time job. And so there are a couple of things. One, I like to learn. So I'm naturally curious. So it feeds into that, which is awesome. Yeah. Two, I am in a community role. <laughs> So in essence, I am getting 50 by the end of season two, if we stay at 20 episodes, which is currently what it's set at, I will have had 50 conversations one-on-one with community professionals from CEOs of companies down to community managers who are like in the trenches, building their community day in, day out and like across the org in different spaces um, and places. So in that regard, like it is my continuing education for free. Yes, I'm giving some time, but it's great because I get to learn unique things. I get to then help other community professionals and say like, Hey, someone's looking for X, Y, Z. Oh, listen to so-and-so's um, episode. Cause we talked about it in there. And if you have follow-up questions, I'm happy to see if they're open to chatting with you directly um, to like help you further through whatever you're going through. Um, yeah. So I view it in that way. And then tied to that last point I mentioned around like helping people, that's part of it too. Like I get to help people. Um, I get to help educate people on community. I think community is similar to um, not in the tech world, this word, but in more of like a fantasy world, like a unicorn, it's rare, yeah. it's beautiful, it's great, but there's a lot of uncertainty around it. Um, and so I'm trying to kind of demystify a little bit of what community means. And so with that, like I view it as my job to educate people wherever they are in their community journey to help them better understand and learn the different types of communities, the different business metrics community can impact and like how to help people make a case for community, how to like build a team, all of those sorts of things that aren't really taught anywhere. 
because again, community is just so, so new and like having its thriving moment right now. Jeez. Uh, I'm with you on the, on the learning side. Uh, it's amazing. I mean, the, the people that will say yes to just teaching and sharing their experience, it's, there's for me, no better way to learn than, than mm. that kind of a, that kind of approach. If we were to chat, it's my final question to you, sir. Um, oh, actually, no, I have one more, uh, uh, two, two more, if you will. So yeah, go for it. biggest challenge with podcasting, like, oh, they're amazing, but what's the hard part? Finding the right balance for you as a host. People, I think, don't understand, and I didn't either, um, like the amount of commitment and like time, energy, et cetera, it goes into producing your own show. Um, for me, like, yes, this is part of a company. However, I have, I'll say 99% ownership over everything related to it. And I'm one of those people who's very like extreme ownership, accountability, like those feed into right into who I am. And so I work very hard and intentionally to create a process, to create like quality content, to create a strong like post-production process, figuring out like the schedule for releasing episodes, like it all. Um, and with that, like... Yes, it's a lot of work, but then I'm also equally trying to elevate like the podcast itself because I did not do that as well during season one. And so mm. season two, I'm learning how to do that um, and really being much more intentional. I think by the time the first episode of season two drops in January, I probably will have had... 17, 18 of the episodes already recorded. Wow. Like it started, I don't know, late July, August, been going on of like, yeah, you have to be mindful of like yourself. Look, like not every week you can record an episode. You have yeah. holidays, you have travel, yeah. you have your full-time job. Other people have conflicts, etc. So you just got to be mindful. But I'm learning from season one, what I view as mistakes or learning opportunities would be put more nicely to myself. <laughs> um, how to like just do that better and figure out that balance for me as like the host. Yeah, powerful. Um, let's say we chat again. We should, and maybe yeah. not wait this long, but let's say we chat again 50 yeah. episodes from from how many you have now, right? It's almost a year. Let's say you're doing, if, yeah. if it was weekly, it'd be a roughly a year from now. What do you want your show to look like? Is it any different? Is it the same? Has anything changed? I mean, that's a good question. I think in terms of like things I'd like in the future, and this is a big wish list item for me for season three. Yeah, I'm already thinking about season three. Um, so season one, I already mentioned is like, I did the thing. I like got through 31 episodes, did it, happy, like check that box. Season two, the big focus for me was around like elevating the content um, surrounding the podcast. So it's not just the episode goes live and then it dies. Yeah. Um, I want high quality like show notes. I want potentially additional assets where the podcast content is the base for those additional assets, mm. et cetera. 
Um, so that's season two is all around from my point of view, like elevating the content and season three, if there is a season three, of course. Um, but my goal for it that I would work on intentionally would be around like distribution. And on that note, I'd really want to have like distribution partners. So obviously like not competitive in any way, shape or form with Charla, the company that it's for and associated with. However, I think that there are opportunities where companies whose audience, like we share something in common with between like community and whether it's like marketing or customer experience and customer success or support, et cetera. Like, I think that there are opportunities where there can be giving gets from organizations and myself as the host slash 99% owner <laughs> of everything right. related to the podcast. Um, to create some sort of good content distribution, like bartership going on um, that helps both of us. Yeah. So that's like my big wish list item for season three. Hell yeah, man. Let, let's do it. Let's talk and then let's see, let's see what it looks like. See if that content just flying all around and repurposed. And uh, it's, it's amazing what happens when you can start with one episode. It turns into so many other things from that. Yeah. It's super powerful. So Definitely would agree. Yeah. how do people find you? Where can people connect? If they want to reach out to you, listen to yeah. your show, all the things, where do they go? Yeah. So a couple areas, if you want to listen to the show, it's available on Apple podcasts. It's available on Spotify. It's available on YouTube. Um, community like grow show is the name. So you can just find it, type in my name. I'm sure it'll probably pop up relatively early because it's the only <laughs> name for a podcast. Um, and then two, I would say for connecting with me, just find me on LinkedIn. That's where I'm most active. That's where I spend my time. And it's where I like want to engage with people. So find me on LinkedIn, Joel Premack. Yep. Put all that in the show notes. so People can just click bloop, right off to it. Awesome. That'd be great. Dude, thank you so much for coming on here hanging out, geeking out with me about podcasting and sharing your strategies and your ideas. I just, I really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you so much again for having me on Casey. I enjoyed it as well. Hell yeah. And for those listening, if you learned something and I freaking know you did, because I literally have two pages of notes over here, front and back, oh my gosh. always got to share them so that you don't think I'm just bullshitting here, but yeah, I learned a lot. So if you did too, then share this episode with someone else, one person, nine people, 3000 people, whatever, but that's thought leadership. Get this thing out there. Um, with that, Joel, thanks again, man. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you. All right, everybody. This has been another episode of creating the greatest show. We will see you all next time. And next time doesn't have to be next week. Life's too short and we have way too much to talk about. Find show notes full of takeaways, lessons, and links at creatingthegreatestshow.com. For more information on launching your own podcast or working with us to produce your existing show, come on down to the big tent at ringmaster.com. Until then, friends, whatever you do, do it with all your might. Work at it, if necessary, early and late, in season and out of season, not leaving a stone unturned and never deferring for a single hour. That which can be done just as well now. P.T. Barnum.